We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much as always for locking in today whether you're listening to us on the audio side apple spotify iheart wherever you get your podcast from or whether you're watching us on the video side via youtube appreciate you all very very much this is going to be a fan friday episode of talking buffalo um i opened up the floor on my social media to have fans uh sending questions whether it was via twitter Facebook or uh, email. Got a nice handful that I want to get to today. The majority of them revolved, of course, around the Buffalo Bills, this being the uh, pendulum game of the season Sunday against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Before we get going, a couple of real quick things, and then I want to dive in. It's not going to be a very long episode today here on this uh, on this Friday. This was supposed to be originally a live show. It was supposed to be live late Thursday night with the podcast drop on Friday morning and we were scheduled to do a show at Casey's black rock in um, in black rock <laughs> near the West side. Anyway, I was going to have my guy, Nate Gary from WGR with me kind of talked about it throughout the week here on this podcast. And it was our bills cheese preview. And what made it unique about doing it at Casey's black rock is the fact that it is actually a Kansas city chiefs, Backer bar. The owner is a lifelong fan of the Chiefs, and Nate and I were going to go there, bang out some wings. Which, by the way, the the wings at Casey's top notch. I've had them several times. Had a couple shows there previously, so I know the place well. I know the area well. Had my birthday party there last year, so I'm very familiar with the place. But anyway, we're going to go there, bang out some wings, uh, take some video, some photo because there's lots of Chiefs stuff throughout the bar. Uh, get my guy Vinny, the owner there on the mic for a segment or two, let him hype up his chiefs. And we were going to have some fun with this rivalry. We were going to have some fun with it. That was the plan all along. And then of course, this fucking weather here in Buffalo decided to, to change that. So had to cancel that. And um, hopefully 
I'll get up to KC soon. Obviously, it won't be a Bills Chiefs game for that, but uh, we'll get up there soon. Me and Nate or whoever I have with me, we'll have a good time. But anyway, that really sucked. I was very, very, very much looking forward uh, to doing that. I just thought it would have been a really cool vibe to kind of go into uh, enemy territory, so to speak, and do a show from there. But anyway, it was not meant to be. Uh, this weather sucks. And I'll tell you what, too. And I know some people who, who are watching this or listening to this, this doesn't, um, you know, didn't affect the weather, didn't affect everybody. Many of you are Buffalo Bills fans or Buffalo Sabres fans or Buffalo Sports fans or maybe even just fans of the show, which again, I appreciate you all, but maybe you don't live around this area. So this weather hasn't really affected you much or at all. Or in other cases, you're out more north where, although you did get it too, the North caught a little bit of a beat down, maybe not quite as much as we did here in the South Towns but you caught a beat down yourself. But the South Towns here specifically, if you live in the South Towns, you know where I'm coming from. We got absolutely fucking hammered, pummeled with snow starting early weekend all the way to Monday and then got like maybe a day, day and a half break. And then from Tuesday night, all day and night, Wednesday into late morning on Thursday, just an absolute uh, beating. So that shit sucks. I'm not cut out for this. I, I talked about this on the show earlier this week. Talked about it a little bit on Twitter. Man, I love me some Buffalo. Buffalo born and raised. Represent. Uh, I lived in Florida for five and a half years, so I know what it's like to not live in this region. For a lot of people who are born and raised here, they really don't know any better. They just take what comes to them. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I suppose that's the way it should be. But anyway, my point is, man, I love Buffalo. The food, the people, the weather, the communities. The togetherness, the way people step up, the way people pick each other up. Buffalo is unlike anyone, anywhere else I've ever been in my life or anywhere else that I know of when it comes to that stuff. But I hate the winters, man. I hate the winter so much with a passion. Um, I, I put up on Twitter earlier this week that Florida is back in play for me by the end of 2024. I meant what I said when I said that too, by the way. However, somebody pointed out something to me, and it's a very fair point. When you tweet something or, or say something and sometimes in the moment out of emotion you have recency bias and I, I admit that maybe that's what I have right now going on because I'm in the you know I'm in the thick of it I'm in the, well, the the worst part of the year in terms of weather it just sucks and I hate it but if you hit me up in June when it's beautiful and gorgeous and there's a lawn fake going on every week and there's a concert every week and you're walking around in t-shirt and shorts Buffalo's elite so I get it just this time of year and i'm kind of pissed off about this weather it sucks on the positive side though well, i'll tell you what's not positive too so it's bad enough to get snowed in in the south towns it's even worse when you hire a, a plow guy to do a job and he does the worst fucking job on the face of this earth just brutal and by the way i'm full disclosure where, where we live our house i actually rent the house not it's not owned so actually it's part of our rent the landlord is technically paying the plow guys part of our rental agreement contract but anyway just an absolute shit job um the cars have been literally snowed in even after plowing took forever for for my kid well not kid he's a officially an adult now but to still shovel out even after the plowing and it's still really bad as we speak but gotta give some props here i'm gonna give a shout out before we get going with this podcast man he's a he's a somebody who's become a, a friend of mine met him at imperial pizza when I started doing some of the live shows, developed a pretty nice relationship with him. Uh, my guy, Ranger, who is one of the owners of 
the cereal spot um, on Elmwood Avenue, 547 Elmwood in Buffalo. More on that in a second. But anyway, I started talking to Ranger, told him what's going on with the plowing. And without even asking him, he uh, he volunteered to come here and help remove some of the snow. He's got some equipment, a skidster and some shit like that. He's going to come here and get rid of a lot of the snow that's got my driveway and near the garage completely packed and snowed in, especially off to the side because the plow guy didn't even touch that. Some areas around my driveway and stuff, there's still like five, six feet of snow. So uh, he's helping me out. He's going to do that for me. I was like, that's really cool because I didn't directly even have to ask him. I hinted at it, but didn't even directly uh, have to ask him. So shout out, big shout out, Ranger from uh, the cereal spot, which by the way, I've never been there before. And that is going to change real soon. I've mentioned it once or twice on this podcast over the last couple of months, especially since me to Ranger. But uh, dude, a... a a spot where you can go get cereal with ice cream, like a hundred different types of cereal, a, a cereal ice cream sundae. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? How have I not been in this place? Now they're only open. I heard uh weekends as right now, the winter season anyway, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. But I'm like, how have I not been in this place? So that's going to change real soon, man. I'm gonna go check it out. So again, big shout out Ranger, uh, the cereal spot. I'm going to do a show there. With uh with Tone Pucks. And I'm really looking forward to that. So we're gonna get there maybe when the bill season's over. We'll we'll get there like on a Saturday afternoon and do maybe a, a live show from there. But man, my fat ass can't wait to go in there and have some combination of ice cream sundaes with certain specific types of cereal. I mean, who doesn't like cereal? So big shout out to uh to Ranger to uh the cereal spot for helping me out of a out of a jam. And then one other thing I wanted to to get to. Before direct questions, because this isn't really, no one asked me this question, but I think it's really important to this game on Sunday. And that's the uh, the Bills injury updates right now. The situation as things stand in regards to injuries. So I am taping this roughly, let me look at the clock here, little after 8 p.m. on Thursday. The Bills have one more practice on Friday, which I believe is just going to be a walkthrough. And then... uh. We'll see how things play out going into Sunday. Might be the last information that we get going into Sunday, I should say. Um, they had a walkthrough on Wednesday and a practice on Thursday. And in terms of the injury report, which is obviously quite lengthy and extremely worrisome, good news and bad news. Uh, we'll start with the good news. Rasul Douglas practiced on a limited basis. This week, and he told Tim Graham that last, or he said this after the Steelers game in the locker room, he plans on playing. And I believe that. So I believe Rasul Douglas will play on Sunday. And that's obviously a big lift uh, for the Buffalo Bills, especially because of who's hurt. So you got Rasul back in. Uh, Tyrell Dotson practiced on a limited basis on Thursday. I think it's very promising that he'll be back. In fact, Sean McDermott said at the beginning of this week, when asked that he, Dotson was actually closer to Douglas than playing against Pittsburgh on Sunday. So I'm highly optimistic that the Bills are going to get Tyrell Dotson back, which is a real, it feels to me almost like an oxymoron that I'm even saying that shit because I just, Tyrell Dotson as a starter to me was befuddling. And Tyrell Dotson being a, a key component, a guy that you really want back in this lineup for a critical playoff game, sounds even funnier for me to say. But you know what? The guy's played well. He has his limitations. He's not good in pass coverage, but he does a lot of things well, man. He is a smart player. He's aggressive. He's very physical. He's a good tackler. 
That's the kind of guy you want out there with Isaiah Pacheco running the football. So that's actually a good get. And soon when he gets back, that's a pretty big lift for the Buffalo Bills. Tyrell Dotson's played well this year. I mean, he ain't the third best linebacker in the NFL like PFF grades him out to be, but ain't no bum either. And I kind of feel like I've talked down about him a lot this year, more than he deserves. Like I talked to him like he was a like he was a scrub on the field, and he's not. He's played well. He's played damn well. So that's going to be a good lift for the Bills. And then uh, far and away, the most important one, Teron Johnson is practiced uh, limited Wednesday and Thursday. He's in concussion protocol, uh, red non-contact jersey. You never know how those things go. He does still have to clear. And this is the second time this year he's been in concussion protocol. But all indications seem from people who you know, who are watching him, his body language, the way he's moving around, he looks really good. And I think it's really promising that he's going to be able to go on Sunday. And if you watch the Bills, I don't need to tell you how important Teron Johnson is to the Bills. There's a reason why there's one all-pro guy in the Buffalo Bills this season, and that guy's Tyron Johnson. So that is huge, man. It looks like Douglas is going to be back. Uh, Dotson's going to be back. And Johnson's going to be back. And if the Bills can get those three guys back, all three of them, all three on defense, of course, that's going to give them a huge lift. Because on the downside, based on practice and the injuries from the last couple weeks, uh, the biggest one, Terrell Bernard, uh, look, when he went down and the cart came out and he had a towel over his head on Sunday, I thought the season was over immediately. In fact, we did a live show maybe a half hour after that game, and I was already talking about Terrell Bernard in past tense in terms of the Bills for this season. I thought he broke his ankle or he tore his Achilles. As it turns out, it's a sprain. Um, Sean McDermott did say he's still hopeful. As we record this Thursday, you might hear this Friday late morning, early afternoon, and he might already be ruled out. So this might be a moot point. I'm not optimistic that he's going to play because I kind of go by the theory of if you're a DNP, meaning did not participate in practice on Wednesday and Thursday, Generally speaking, it's very rare that you're able to play. He's a, a middle linebacker, one whose game is completely predicated on aggressiveness and speed. And if you can't move, you can't play. It's as simple as that. And that's going to be a big, big blow to the Bills because A, they're thin at linebacker, or at least proven starting caliber linebackers. And B, Terrell Bernard has been one of their two or three best players on defense this season, man. He's been phenomenal. So that is a, a big loss. If he can't go, I'm not going to conclude right now definitively that he's out, but I think it's highly unlikely he plays did over Christian Benford and Christian Benford, his low key had a great year. He's been solid. Even the play got hurt on. He forced the fumble when he hurt his knee. Um, that's a blow. I mean, it's just, it's, you can withstand it because Dane Jackson is a very serviceable Number three corner with lots of starting experience. So you got Rasul Douglas and Dane Jackson out there. I don't, you know, I don't think you're dying at corner. Kyrie Elam will be the third corner and uh, say what you will about him. And I've said plenty, but if forced into action, he showed last week, at least he's going to get beat. He's going to, he's going to get a, a defensive hold or pass interference. You can write that shit down in pen, but if he can make a play, he had an interception last week. He can make up for a lot of it. But anyway, he's your backup. And it's probably Dane and uh, Rasul Douglas, which Kyrie, again, Kyrie Lum, you got to be ready because Douglas is coming off uh, injury. Taylor Rapp does not look good either. He did not play last week. 
And uh, he has not practiced on any basis on Wednesday or Thursday. So if you missed the last game, a playoff game, and you haven't practiced at all this week, that means it's definitely not looking good for you. You know, there were a couple guys where maybe if it was a second round, like Douglas or Dodson, I think maybe Sean McDermott said, because we're playing the Steelers, these guys are iffy, and I'm going to bank that we're going to win this game, get these guys a couple more days rest and get them healthy, get them ready to go. That would be the strategy. But this game's all hands on deck. You're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, and this is the divisional round, not the wild card round. So if you're in practice at all on Wednesday or Thursday after sitting out last week, it's looking pretty grim uh, for you to be able to play. So I don't think Taylor Rapp is going to be in this lineup. I'd be very surprised, which if Teron Johnson goes, and this is another reason why that Teron Johnson going is so big, because Cam Lewis could play that dime spot that'll be vacated by Taylor Rapp. He'll be that dime package safety with Teron out there. If Teron's not out there, you got to put Cam Lewis as that nickel corner for the entire game, not just that package, but he becomes your nickel corner. And then DeMar Hamlin becomes your dime package safety. And I really don't like that. I'm sure a lot of you don't either. So again, if Teron could play, even if Rap doesn't, I, I feel like they could be okay with Cam Lewis as that dime package safety. Um, Balen Spector did not practice the last couple of days with his back. Probably not going to play. Maybe not that big of a deal, especially if you get Dotson back because you got Dotson, Klein, Dorian Williams, and then the punter, Sam Martin. He was limited, actually. I had him originally as a DNP for Thursday, but he was upgraded. He was actually limited. He might be able to punt on Sunday, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but it is. It is because, you know, a punt could, you know, field position, flipping the field matters. Holding for Tyler Bass matters. But even beyond that, if Sam Martin can't go, that means the Bills, you only get two practice squad elevations. And if you got to use one of them on your punter, then you're going to be thin somewhere else. Because last week, the Bills used their practice squad elevations on A.J. Klein and Andy Isabella because they were thin at wide receiver and, uh, and linebacker. Well, if you got to use a punter, then you only got one elevation. So you're going to be thin somewhere else. And you're also potentially getting into a category or territory where the Bills might have to cut somebody. They still might have to cut somebody, depending on how many of these guys can't go and what they want to do. I thought about it, and I'm like, I think Kingsley Jonathan potentially could get cut over the next uh, day or two if the Bills need to have more than three guys. Like, you could promote, hypothetically, Matt Hawk, who, by the way, that's the, the punter. The Bills brought him back, and he's on the practice squad. But if Marty can't go, and you want to bring up Hawk, and you want to bring up Annie Isabella again so you're not stuck with only four receivers because I didn't mention Gabe Davis, who did not practice this week either. I'd be shocked if he plays. But if you bring up Hawk, you bring up Isabella, well, you got A.J. Klein stuck on the practice squad and you need him. So what you might have to do is elevate A.J. Klein to the 53-man roster and cut somebody, which could be, again, Kingsley Jonathan or maybe an offensive lineman. Not sure what they'll do, but they'll have to do something potentially. So my point is, the punter matters. But anyway, to wrap that up, I think you're looking at Douglas. I think you're looking at Dodson. I think you're looking at, uh, who's the guy I'm missing? Oh, Teron Johnson. If you get all three of those guys back, I think your defense will be all right. It still hurts if Terrell Bernard can't play, which again, as of this recording, he's not been ruled out, but I'm just not really optimistic at all with him. But I think if you get those three guys back, you could, uh, you can overcome that. Anyway, I'm going to take a real quick break, come back, and then I'm going to fly through some of your questions and, uh, and comments. And some of these are really good. So 
Stick around. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back here talking Buffalo Fan Friday. Let's get to some of your questions and some of your comments because these are pretty good, man. I think I got nine or ten of them, and uh, we'll start flying through them right here. Josh Allen is the next John Elway. At Josh Allen is the next Elway. Says, this isn't really a question. This is a comment, and I want to hit on it because I agree with a lot of what he says. He says, every great player reaches a crossroads. Young did with Dallas of the 90s. Jordan did with the Pistons. LeBron had to do it. This is the moment Josh Allen needs to rise up and overcome the defending champs. Um, Yeah, I agree with this. I think this is a, a great comment from, uh, from Josh. I think Josh Allen's already cemented himself. Even if the Bills go out on Sunday and they lay an egg and they lose 37 to 10, I feel like Josh Allen has already cemented himself as being one of the top, at worst, three to four quarterbacks in this league in terms of talent. And you could certainly make an argument that he is as talented or hell, if you want to be a little bit of a homer, not even that much of a homer, you could say Josh Allen is as talented or even more talented than any quarterback in the NFL, including the guy who's going to be standing on the other sideline on Sunday, physically anyway. but. If you want to be considered, uh, you know, one of the best, not just talent, but you got to win. You got to win, man. And you, you got to beat Patrick Mahomes when it matters. You know, you, you want to prove your legacy and maybe legacy doesn't matter to some fans, to some media who covers the team. Hell, maybe it don't even matter all that much specifically to the player itself, but you got to get, if you want to be at that level, you have to beat Patrick Mahomes. You got to do it. You got to do it when it matters. Now, the Bills have won the last couple of years on the road in Kansas City in the regular season. This is the seventh time that these teams have met. I think they're three and three against each other. But the difference is Patrick Mahomes is 2 0 against Josh Allen in the playoffs. And ultimately, I think that's what most people will judge by that's what they do judge by is success in the playoffs so josh allen's at that crossroads like the point set let me bring that back up again jordan with the pistons for for younger fans who might not know quite what that means 
you know, you, you hear about the Chicago Bulls, arguably the greatest NBA run of all time, certainly in the modern era, for sure. When they won six titles, all six years that Michael Jordan played a full season, they won the NBA championship. Anyway, before that, though, for a couple of years, they could not get past the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons won back-to-back -back NBA championships, and they sent uh, the Bulls home pack in a couple of years of rolling the playoffs. And Jordan got to that point where, you know, you want to be considered an all-time great. You want your team to be considered one of the all-time great teams. You got to go and you got to beat the Pistons. And they did. And they got over that hump. You know, Steve Young with San Francisco. could not beat Dallas in the early 90s with San Francisco. Eventually, he did. So that's kind of what he's referring to. LeBron had to do it. You know, for years, couldn't get past the Boston Celtics in the East. So... I get what the guy's saying. I get what the commenter is saying. You got you to gotta win in the playoffs because if you don't, I'll tell you right now, I, I mentioned this with, uh, I think it was Tone Pucks or maybe it was Anthony Marino on one of, one of the shows this week, one of the 10,000 shows I feel like I do here on Talking Buffalo. But right now, if the Bills go on on Sunday, okay, at home, and they lose to the Kansas City Chiefs, I, I think you're getting to a point, and again, older NBA fans will understand what I'm saying here. If you lose at home to the Chiefs, I think you're getting to a point where it's going to feel like the Buffalo Bills are the New York Knicks of the 1990s. The New York Knicks were a very good team. The New York Knicks throughout most of the 90s were near the top of the standings. I'm talking about early, mid-90s during the Jordan run, but that was the problem. Every year, the end of the road came when they could not get past the Chicago Bulls. And I feel like that's the situation that if the Bills lose again at home to the Chiefs, that they're going to find themselves in. You know, you go back to the 2020 AFC Championship game, and it was the Bills' first time in the AFC Championship in so many years. And then you go to the 2021 13-second game, and the game was won, and they just found a way to lose it. But, you know, the, the, just this year, it just doesn't feel like I can't find a plausible excuse for the Bills to lose this football game. Some guys are banged up. That's not an excuse. Not an excuse at all. You're at, you're at home. You're the better team. I think most people would say the Bills, 1-53, to 53 are the better football team. So you got to win, man. You got to win. And in terms of Josh specifically, look, if Josh Allen wins one Super Bowl, his legacy, not just in Buffalo, around the league forever, is cemented. Because if Josh Allen doesn't win a Super Bowl, Dan Marino might be the one exception. Dan Marino might be the one quarterback, great quarterback, all-time great quarterback who's never won a Super Bowl, but people don't really talk down much or hold that against him much, I should say, as opposed to a lot of other good quarterbacks, you know, like Phillip Rivers. I keep going on and on. Good quarterbacks, great quarterbacks who've never actually won a Super Bowl or barely even got there. Marino's the exception. But aside from that, you got to win at least. A, you got to get. You got to win a Super Bowl. You talk about the all-time greats and of the era, you know, Jim Kelly and getting to a Super Bowl, I should say, at least not necessarily one one, but even just getting there, Jim Kelly and Joe Montana and John Elway, all these great quarterbacks of the era, even Marino, we only got to one. Aaron Rodgers has only won one Super Bowl. Red Favre, one Super Bowl. Josh needs to get that Super Bowl. Josh Allen wins one Super Bowl. The Bills win one Super Bowl. Josh Allen instantly becomes the greatest Buffalo Bill of all time, instantly. Right now, we can debate that. He's the best player in the league or one of the best players in the league right now. He's on a great run, but Jim Kelly won four straight AFC titles. 
He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Thurman Thomas is a Hall of Famer. Bruce Smith, one of the greatest defensive ends to ever play football, period, ever. Andre Reid, Hall of Famer. Somebody, Jonah Lamalier, there's so many. OJ even. There's so many great Buffalo Bills. And you could put Josh in that conversation right now and discuss it. But if Josh wins the Super Bowl, if he wins that first Super Bowl for the Bills, conversation's over. It's Josh Allen. So the legacy is there, but you got to win. You got to win one. And it starts on Sunday. I'm just, it will be, if the Bills lose to the Chiefs, you can't say, nobody could say that Josh Allen's better than Pat Mahomes. And, and I, I love Pat Josh Allen and I hate Pat Mahomes, but you can't say it. If you can't beat him in the playoffs, until you can beat him in the playoffs, you know, this whole Brady-Manning rivalry, this is the new addition to that. Well, it, I'll believe that when Josh Allen beats Pat Mahomes in the playoffs. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. That's my honest take. Maybe you completely disagree. And if you do, please, man, let me know. Uh, Samantha says, where do you think Sean McDermott should sit on the NFL head coaching ranks? Uh, you know, that's a good question. Um, hard to say. I think beating the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, not to sound like a broken record here, but I'm going to do it. Beating the Kansas City Chiefs will elevate Sean McDermott. Beating him in the playoffs, I should say, will definitely elevate him. You're talking a coach now who would be going to his second AFC championship in the last four years. If the Bills win on Sunday, in terms of where I would rank him, I don't know, man. That's so subjective and it's so hard. But I'll tell you who's I wouldn't put him in the in the same class of Andy Reid, uh, Harbaugh. Shanahan, uh, McVeigh, Bill Belichick, that's for sure. So that's five right there. So that automatically makes me conclude, and there's none against Sean, man, not at all, actually, but he's not one of the top five coaches in the NFL because I just named five. Uh, maybe he go, he gets to, and this is with a win, you know, maybe he gets to, maybe it's not even with the win. Maybe he's already there. Uh, Matt LaFleur and Mike Tomlin, 17 years, you coach a team for 17 years and they never have a single losing season, man. You, be you belong on a list straight up. Uh, Zach Taylor, the Bengals, uh, Sean Payton. I, I think that's where I would put McDermott right around now. So maybe somewhere as high as six is low as like 10 or 11, which is still like the top third of the league. I think Sean McDermott is definitely one of the top among the top third of, uh, of head coaches in the league. I think just like I talked about with Josh Allen, I think this is a, um, a kind of a legacy game for Sean as well. You know, I think he's going to win or lose. I think he's going to cement a reputation. If the Bills win and they beat the Chiefs, I think Sean McDermott solidifies his reputation even more so beyond Buffalo as a, a defensive coordinating wizard, somebody who brought this team together during tough times, who persevered, somebody who has coached his face off around so many injuries this season on the defensive side of the football. And it's just done an incredible job. And, you know, he got a lot of credit last year for the leadership that he exhibited when everything that happened with DeMar Hamlet happened and the weather and all these other factors. So that's the good in Sean, man. That's a, this is an opportunity to really cement that with the win, but you lose, especially if you lose a tight game where you could look at the game and say, Oh, you know, Sean, you should have went for this or you should have made use this time out or you froze here. You did something wrong. He might cement himself in the other way. It's possible for sure. You know, a lot of people consider Sean McDermott kind of a gag artist, man. You know, that 2021 playoff loss. Sorry, I'm, you, you can't run away from it.
You can't run away from it. Now, is he at the level where like maybe Tyler Dunn's series, which I will defend to the end of this earth, not the whole article itself. And we've already talked about it. I'm not going to go down that road. There were some things in that article that I don't like that Tyler wrote, but all in all, I thought it was a, a really strong piece, a really interesting piece, a really uh, unique piece on Sean and some of his flaws and losing this game at home will kind of solidify those people out there who think that Sean McDermott is the problem. The people who think that the bills are being, you know, the ceiling is lower with the bills because of the head coach. So this is a big, big game, not just for the organization, obviously first and foremost, the organization, but it's a big game for, for Josh, for legacy reasons, whether you like that or not, it is true. People are going to talk higher or lower about Josh Allen based on how he plays on Sunday and how this team does. And the exact same thing for sure goes about or goes to uh, Sean McDermott as well. Brian Gooding says, Bills aren't firing McDermott, but just for fun, if they did, who'd be your ideal candidate? Um, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I haven't really thought much about it at all because I know that there was zero chance that he was going to get fired. There was zero chance he was going to get fired when the Bills were 6-6. Six and six. They lost to Philly. That Tyler Dunpeace came out. I, even then, I'm like, there's no, there's no way this guy's getting fired because he has brought this team. He took over in 2017. They've won like double-digit wins, like four, now what, five straight years. They keep going to the playoffs every year. They've been to an AFC title game. And even if they stall again in the divisional round, or even if they didn't make the playoffs, I'm like, he's not going to get fired. Minimum, and I mean bare minimum, Sean McDermott was going to get another year, no matter what. So I haven't really spent much time thinking about it. Uh, ben Johnson from Detroit, I know he's the hot name right now. Um, I would have thought Bill Belichick. More on him in a second, by the way, but don't tell me. What a great quarterback like Josh Allen and what Bill Belichick did when he had Tom Brady. You can hate on Bill Belichick. We hate on the Patriots. That goes without saying. And I know... Bill's getting up there. He's old. Don't tell me you would have wanted Bill Belichick to be the Buffalo Bills head coach with his track record by having a great elite quarterback. I mean, come on, man. So I would have said Bill Bill Belichick would have been my answer. There. I just talked myself into it here live on uh right on the air. I would have said Bill Belichick. Uh, Rob Rivera was another game that, name that I thought of. And you're like, huh, what? He sucked in Washington. He was. He was fucking terrible in Washington. But he also led Carolina into a Super Bowl. He's a gambler. He's a riverboat run. I think that would have worked well with uh, with Josh Allen, and I think he's a guy that the players respected a lot too. Again, didn't really put much thought into it because shit ain't gonna happen. But if you put a put a gun in my head, and make me uh, for fun. Well, it's not fun if I got a gun in my head, but I would have said Bill Belichick or uh, or Ron Rivera. All right, fins up four six seven fins fan. Oh boy, without being condescending, well that's gonna be hard for me to do. Without being condescending, what do you think Miami needs? to make that next step? Uh, you know, it's a really good question, man. Um, toughness. I, honestly, and I'm being completely honest, man. Unbiased, not even poking fun in Miami because it's fun to see them lose and, and fall apart. But seriously, toughness. That team needs more toughness and that team needs more grit. Um, I think the Miami Dolphins are a very soft football team, soft physically. I think they're very soft mentally. I think the Miami Dolphins are, I've said this a couple times over the last week or so, they're all sizzle and no steak. 
They're front runners. They play shitty teams and they curb stomp you. They stop. They look unbeatable, man. They really do. Then they play tough teams. They play good teams. And they they fold, man. They fold like a tent. They beat Dallas by two points. That's the only good team they beat all season long, man. They're a mentally weak football team. They lack leadership. And they lack, you know, they have confidence in themselves individually. But as a team, it didn't seem like they were very confident, especially down the stretch. And you could, if you watch that HBO Hard Knock series, the end season with the Dolphins, you could see it. And I didn't watch all of them. I only watched uh, two of the last three. I didn't watch the one where I, I think there's one where they lost to the Chiefs in the playoffs to end the season. But I watched the one where they beat, lost to Baltimore. And I obviously locked in on the one where they lost to the Bills. And you could just see it. No leadership in that locker room. Nobody's rallying. It's almost like they, even when they were up at halftime, they were up at halftime against the Bills. And it just felt like they were waiting for uh, the shoe to drop. They were waiting for the rug to get pulled under them. Just didn't feel leadership. Tua's not a terrible quarterback. He's a pretty good quarterback. He's not a leader, though. Guys don't follow him. You can see it on, it's not even me hating on Tua. You can see it with your own eyes if you watch that series. Nobody's following him. Nobody's listening to him. He's not commanding the room when he talks. That's your quarterback. Josh Allen is the polar opposite. I guarantee you Josh Allen is commanding that huddle. He's commanding that, that sideline. He's commanding that locker room because he's the leader of this football team. Miami ain't got that leadership. Not a quarterback and maybe not really anywhere else. You know, I, I these aren't the best players on the Bills by any means. But Miami needs more guys like, say, a Shaq Lawson or a uh, or Jordan Phillips or an A.J. Klein or Deion Dawkins, those type of players, man. Those guys who are going to bring that leadership quality to them that I don't think they have. And I'll tell you another thing, too. Last year during the offseason, we were resigned to losing Jordan Poyer, and it felt like a formality that he was going to go to the Miami Dolphins. I think we all accepted that before free agency started. He will, he likes Miami. He lives near Miami. Miami's got some money to throw around. Felt like a great fit. I don't know about you, but I definitely resigned myself to losing Jordan Poyer. And then free agency started and Miami just didn't seem to have the interest in him. They didn't offer him shit. And ultimately he resigned with the Buffalo Bills. Good for the Bills. Big mistake, in my opinion, for Miami. Now. Jordan Poyer as a player, is he the same player physically with the same traits at the same level that he had from, say, 2017 to through the 2021 season when he was literally an all-pro safety? Probably not. Everybody, it's, it's father time, man. It gets everybody. But Jordan Poyer is still a damn good football player. Jordan Poyer is still a damn instinctive football player. Jordan Poyer is still a very damn physical player. And most importantly, Jordan Poyer is a great leader. And Miami could have had him if they ponied up and they just didn't seem to have the interest in him. Thankfully, if you're a Bills fan. But Miami made a big mistake. All the stuff I just explained to you, the leadership, the physicality. Jordan Poyer, a guy like him, brings that. And you pass on him for flashier type of players. And you see it. You see it. We've, we've The last two games against the Bills, 
and against the Chiefs. I saw a secondary when Josh Allen on third and 13 is running the football, gets a first down, two or three defenders are there. They got him dead to right, three yards in front of the sticks, and they didn't want that smoke. Josh ran through him and got the first down. You think Jordan Boyer is going to let Josh Allen run through him like that? Jordan Boyer might get ran over, but I promise you, he's putting that shoulder and he's going to give him his best lick. That's the type of player he is. But these guys, Cater Hall and Elliott and these other guys, Eli Apple, I mean, you freaking kidding me? They wanted nothing to do with it. Just like in Kansas City, they wanted nothing to do with Pacheco or that physicality that Kansas City was bringing. So to answer your question, a very long-winded answer to a, a good question, Miami is soft and Miami doesn't have leadership. So that's what I would be focusing on. Maybe stop worrying about trying to get big name players and get leaders that are going to help your football team there. Uh, good question there. Alex, need a, an X factor for Sunday. Who you got? I'm going to start to get through these real quick here because I don't want to be another 20 minutes. Um, Vaughn Miller. Vaughn Miller is my X factor for Sunday. And here's why. I've been an advocate for weeks now of him not even being active. I felt like Kingsley Jonathan is better than him right now. Like Kingsley Jonathan has a better chance to make a play in a football game than Vaughn Miller has right now. Up until this point, because for the first time all season, you watch the film, you watch the tape back. Vaughn Miller looked really, really good against the Steelers. Didn't get a sack. And I know there's that one play where he just pushed Mason Rudolph. He thought Mason Rudolph got rid of the football. That's the only reason why he didn't get a sack. Otherwise, it would have been a sack. But anyway, you've seen shoulder dip. You've seen swim moves. You've seen an inside spin move. You saw bend with the shoulder and the hips and the knee in his pass rush. Haven't seen that all year. Um, I didn't hear it personally with my own ears, but I heard Von Miller talk about how he's feeling it right now this week. And I think Von Miller, generally speaking, is full of shit or football and a lot of other things too. But I believe him right now. I think it's there. So you go into this Chiefs game and look, man, I, I said this yesterday with Anthony. I am sick and tired of having to preface every time I talk about Von Miller, the shit that happened off the field. We all, we all feel the way we feel about it. We all know, okay? I'm only talking football here, but I, I think he's at a point now where he can make up for a lot of shit, a lot of football shit, I should say, with a good game on Sunday. He was signed last year to make that critical in the playoffs against the Chiefs, big sack, big strip bubble, big something. And I feel like this Sunday, he's there. Or he's not, he's really close. And maybe this is the, the week where he is there. He has the ability to go out and make something happen. So I'm I'm excited to actually watch him play for the first time all year. I'm actually intrigued, at least, to go out there to see what he could do, especially against that right tackle, man. Juwan Taylor, I think that dude sucks. And he's probably going to get one or two penalties. Vaughn Miller's got a chance to have an impact on this football game. And I think, personally, he's going to be, uh, he's going to be the X factor. All right, let's move along here. Maz Vids, love Buffalo, but geez, I'm in rural county outside of Albany, New York. It's so damn cold out that your boots hate you for walking in them, but at least we don't have that lake effect snow. Oh, I'm not really going to get into answer. It's not really a question. It's more of a statement. Um, thanks for thanks for the comment, Maz. Yeah, dude, it's fucking, it's, trust me, it, it's very cold here. You know, talk about your, your boots hate you for walking in them. Ditto for here. And the difference is we are getting that lake effect snow. It's pummeling in us. It was so nice in December. Knew that shit was coming. 
Uh, Stephen N., do you buy sports media people who cover the team that they are not fans and don't care who wins? No, I don't buy that at all. Um, I don't blame sports media people out there who cover the team that hope that the team they cover wins. And I certainly don't hold it against any sports media people out there who cover the team and they hope that the team that they cover wins. Now, outwardly cheering for the team? No. And I don't do, in fairness, professionals anyway, they don't do that. They don't outwardly cheer for a team. They're not going to be in the press box high-fiving somebody if Gabe Davis makes a big third-down catch to put a game away. That's no, of course not. That's not going to happen. Nor should it. That's not acceptable. Of course not. But look, I've had all, not all, I've had most of the Buffalo sports media on my show at some point, some of them several times. I've had a lot of in-depth conversations with them. I've asked this question before. And they'll say they're not fans of the team. Most of them will say that they're not a fan of the team. And with all due respect to them, and again, this is nothing negative whatsoever towards them. I've never bought that. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them. There's a part of them, I feel, whether it's whatever men or women they are, they're covering the beat, covering the team. They want to see the team win. They want to see the team do well. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's something wrong with it. If you're, if you're covering the team for a major newspaper or a television station, a radio station, whatever, and you're speaking as a fan, like the way I am on this podcast, if I was uh, the Channel 7 sports anchor, I think that's unprofessional. For sure. But these guys and these women, they got stake in this team. How, how could you not? You know, when you cover a team and you're around these guys all the time, you build relationships with them over the time. You, you, you care about these people. You come to care about them. You see how hard they work all year long. Some cases you see them get hurt and you see how hard that they, uh, that they work to get healthy, how hard they rehab. You see that because you're around the team all the time. You see how much work they put in. You see how desperately they want it, how badly they want to win. And when you when when they fail, it hurts you a little bit and inside, not outwardly, because you want to see people that you've come to care about succeed. Dude, this ain't the 1950s anymore, all right? Journalism has changed. It has. And most people agree or accept it, and many people like it. And there's still some old school people out there who probably hate that, but it's true. It is true. And social media and so many other outlets, you just, you get to know these players on, on different levels now. And again, you're not in the press box. You're not cheering for them. You're not on the sidelines with a microphone. Hooray, hooray. The Bills won this and that. that that's not what I'm saying, but there's a part of you that covers this team. You want to see them succeed. You do. And I feel like for the most part, maybe I'm wrong on a couple people. But generally speaking, if I know 20 people who cover the Buffalo Bills, my gut tells me that 17 of those 20 people want to see the Bills end the season winning a Super Bowl. Because to your point, your question was, do they care? And I do think they care. 17 of 20 people who cover the Buffalo Bills are probably 17 of 20 people who cover any NFL football team. I think they do care if the team uh, wins or loses. All right, last couple here. Greg says, if the Bills get to the AFC title game and it's in Orchard Park, who should lead the charge? Good question. Uh, you know, 
Can't go wrong with Jim. Can't go wrong with Bruce, who, by the way, Bruce is leading the charge this week against the Chiefs. Uh, can't go wrong with Thurman. Can't go wrong with Reed. Suppose you can't go that wrong with, like, I don't know, Tasker or whoever else. Um, For me, two people come to mind. One of them is Murph, John Murphy, the voice of the Bills, and that's just because of the heart attack and he's been unable to work this year. Probably would be really cool to see him be able to get on the field if he could do it. That would be great. But um, if not, I would say uh, Marv. You got to be Marv. If Marv's healthy enough to get in Buffalo in this fucking tundra of a city right now with all the goddamn snow, you get him here, keep his ass nice and warm, get Marv on that field, let him lead the charge. That would probably get me more hyped than anything else. His old, where else would you rather be? That will never get old when it's coming from Marv. It gets old when other people say that shit, but it ain't never going to get old when it's coming from our boy, uh, Marvin Levy. All right, just two more here, and we're done. Tagla, 35B. Thoughts on Bill Belichick to Atlanta. All right, so as we record this on later Thursday, Josina Anderson is reporting that Byron is snagged. Bill Belichick is likely to become the next coach of the Falcons. I'll talk about this more with the guest maybe next week, because, again, we're running kind of low here on time. I will say I'm a little bit surprised, though, if this is how it plays out, uh, I would have thought going into the offseason, if Bill leaves New England, that he was going to go to either the Chargers or to Dallas. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he had no interest in Dallas. And maybe Jerry Jones talked to Bill Belichick and Bill was not interested. And maybe that's what maybe Jerry Jones just retained uh, Mike McCarthy. Who knows? But anyway, those were the two teams I would have thought. If there would have been a dark horse. I would have said maybe even Washington. It's because of high profile, new owners. Probably could have got a lot of control there. So I'm a little surprised about Atlanta. I mean, they got a decent roster, a uh, nice defense to work with, definitely some pieces, good veterans like Bud Dupree, uh, Kavelius Campbell, uh, Jesse Bates, one of the best safeties in the NFL. Uh, Caden Ellis, pretty good linebacker. So there's good talent on Atlanta. Just the problem, and they got obviously weapons on offense, but John Robinson and Drake London and Kyle Pitts, plenty of weapons on offense. The issue is... The quarterback sucks. Desmond Ritter ain't it. Taylor Heineke, I mean, come on. So it's just interesting because he's right back kind of in the same situation he's been in with the Patriots for the last couple uh, of years. And they got no quarterback. And they only got the ninth pick of the draft. So you're not getting, you're certainly not getting one of the top two quarterbacks at nine. You're probably not getting, in fact, you're almost certainly not getting It'll be Daniels, the third quarterback take. It'll be gone before nine, probably. So you have to move up, make some moves. I've heard that he liked Justin Fields a lot during the draft process. So, you know, Justin Fields could be on his way out of Chicago because they would take Caleb Williams. So maybe they make a trade. I would think if Bill's taking this job, they, they got some kind of plan on who they want to target at a uh, quarterback. But anyway, thoughts on it is that, yeah, I, I'm just surprised that it would be, uh, Atlanta. All right, not a question here, but we're going to end the show this way. Final Bills versus Chiefs prediction. Before I get to that real quick, round the league, NFC, uh, Green Bay smacked Dallas. That was great, but I think that story is coming to an end. I don't think their defense is going to stop Frisco. I don't got a score for this game, but I can see Frisco winning by like 13. Uh, Detroit, I like Detroit over Tampa. Tampa, again, another story. Baker Mayfield has been a really good comeback story this season. In fact, it wasn't for, if it wasn't for Joe Flacco, there'd be a lot more talk about Baker Mayfield winning comeback player of the year if you're not going to give that to DeMar. But anyway, 
I like Tampa, but I, I think Detroit getting past the Rams was big for Detroit. I, I'm confident. I wasn't confident in Detroit over the Rams. I'm much more confident in Detroit this time around at home against Tampa. So I'm going to go Detroit, maybe 10 to, 10 to 13 point cushion. Uh, the other AFC playoff game, look, man, I, I want to say Houston's so bad and they're very dangerous. And it's not uncommon for a number one seed to get a buy, especially in the AFC, if you're not Kansas City, and come out and lay a stinker and get beat. So it wouldn't be unprecedented whatsoever. But a rookie quarterback, a first-year coach, so many young players, a road playoff game against a rested Baltimore team with this year's NFL MVP at home, and John Harbaugh with his championship pedigree. I mean, stranger things have happened, and I certainly would like to see Houston win that game, but I can't not go with Baltimore. Got to go with the Ravens there. So I think the AFC Championship ultimately does go through Baltimore. I'll go Baltimore by uh, somewhere in double digits. I don't, I don't know. Somewhere between, same thing I'm going to say with Detroit. I said 10 to 13. I'm, I'm going to go with that as well. Bills, Chiefs, I've thought about it. I did a show yesterday with Anthony Marino. And I picked the Bills to win 27-23. But I was really loose on that because I did not know how the injuries were going to play out. And nothing really changed from Wednesday to Thursday with the injuries. I just feel more confident that Teron Johnson is going to be able to go and that Rasul Douglas and Dotson are going to be able to go. And being at home, I think, is ultimately going to make the difference in this football game. If this game was in Arrowhead, and you could talk about the Chiefs' offensive struggles all season long, and I think that is a real thing. They look good at times. They'll have a couple scoring drives, but they leave points on the board, drop passes, a couple of Mahomes' mistakes, a Jawan Taylor holding call, lots of things that slow this offense down. But if this game was in Arrowhead, honest to God, and I mean this, if this game was in Arrowhead, I would pick the Chiefs to win. But I think the fact that it's in Orchard Park and Mahomes has never played a role playoff game, which of all the other factors, by the way, that one probably means the least. Well, let me, let, let me walk that back a little bit. Mahomes is not intimidated about coming into Orchard Park. That's what I'm trying to tell you. He's not going to have a bad game just because it's in Orchard Park. He's still freaking Pat Mahomes. So I want to be clear on that. But the fact that it is there and they might cause some issues, you know, with, with hearing the play call, hearing the snaps, the, the, the timing of the snaps, things like that, being able to audible at the line. I think the Bills crowd is actually going to play a factor. And there's, no, there's nobody in the league, nobody around this country wants something more than Bills fans want to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs. And I don't think it's going to be the offense, like going out and scoring 35 points, because I know when all these guys were going down against the Steelers, everybody on Twitter, my friends, everyone, family saying the same thing. Oh, the Bills are going to have to score 35, 40 points. Josh Allen's going to have to if they're going to win. They're not. I don't think the Bills are going to score 35 points on the Kansas City Chiefs. That defense is just too fucking good. They haven't allowed 28 points to anybody this season, including the Bills that they played at home earlier this year. So. 35 points short of Kansas City having a couple disastrous turnovers that convert immediately into Bills points. I don't see the Bills scoring 35 points. But Sean McDermott has done such an incredible job 
of coaching this defense, of coaching around injuries, of having them ready to play. And I'm almost gasping when I say this, making defensive in-game adjustments, especially in the second half over the last couple months that I believe, although Terrell Bernard being out freaking hurts. But that aside, I, in my heart, believe that the Bills defense will find a way to make life difficult for Pat Mahomes. I think the Bills are going to have that fourth quarter lead. And when the game's on the line and you need to stop, somebody on this defense is going to step up and make a play. I heard he said Vaughn Miller was my X factor. Maybe it's Vaughn. Who knows? Maybe it's Greg Rizzo. Maybe it is Teron Johnson, which would surprise nobody. Maybe it's Cam Lewis in a dying package making a big interception near the end of the game. But somehow, some way, this defense is going to find a way to contain Mahomes well enough. Travis Kelsey, well enough. Rasheed Rice, Isaiah Pacheco, well enough. They're not going to dominate them, but they're going to contain them well enough that they pull out a 27-23 Buffalo Bills victory, which sends the Bills to the AFC Championship the following week at Baltimore. But anyway, it's going to do it for this show. Look, win or lose, we will be back uh, immediately after the game. I will have a live post-game show, maybe 30 minutes or so after the game. It's going to be the last show for the week leading up to the game. I'm not going to have a show on Saturday. You know, if the weather was nicer, maybe I would have tried to sneak out somewhere and do a live feed somewhere on Saturday from maybe Imperial or something, but that shit ain't going to happen. But anyway, that's it for today. Thank you so much. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. Hopefully your driveway is much more plowed out better than mine is. And uh, we'll talk after the game late on Sunday night. Take care.